Welcome to the Anglican Church of the Good Shepherd, Pelham, Alabama podcast. This is your host, Deacon Andrew Brazier. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gifts of your word. We thank you for the readings and for the people of this congregation who give their time and give themselves over time and time again to be your people and to bless those around us. And Lord, we ask that you have opened up our ears to hear the words that have been spoken to us from the Old Testament, from the Psalms, from the epistle, and from the gospel. Lord, I ask now that the meditations from my mouth be from your spirit and your spirit alone, Lord. We pray for these things in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. And If the children haven't been dismissed, feel free to dismiss the children now to Children's Church uh, in the back. Friends, there's something very sad and somber when warning about someone of a danger that you know they're going to fall into. You just know it. You warn them and you caution them and perhaps a friend or a child you're talking with, you know, don't walk down this path. Don't do it. Yet you know that in your heart, in your gut, they're going to choose to do the very thing that you're warning them against. It's as though there's just something in our nature, isn't it? Like we're born in rebellion. Or how is it that King David puts it? Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in my sin did my mother conceive me. Friends, we have all been on the other side of this equation. We've all had parents or friends who've warned us about the path that we're heading, how it's a bad choice, or even on a road to destruction. And yet how many of us have ignored the sage advice of those who have walked ahead of us only to find ourselves stepping into the very pit that they're trying to warn us about. So let's turn now in your pew Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 30 and to give you a little bit of background on this. So Moses, the leader of his people, the leader of his people, the Jews, the Israelites, he's trying desperately to warn his children, his brethren, but he knows they will not listen to his warning. And right now where we're at is we're at the end of a discourse where Moses is admonishing his people to follow the commands of God, the law of the Lord. He's telling his people, that is God's people, that if they obey the law of God, they shall inherit the promised land, a land overflowing with milk and honey. They will flourish and all the nations of the earth, the entire world, shall be blessed. But in chapter 29, he warns the people of Israel. Should you disobey the law and the requirements to live the life that God has called his people to live, then he shall cast out his people from the promised land, and they shall go into captivity, captivity at the hand of a pagan nation. Like I said, Moses knows that his people will not heed this warning and that they shall go into exile. So I'm going to pick up in Deuteronomy chapter 30 at verse 1. Now it shall come to pass 
and this is Moses talking, when all these things come upon you, the blessing and the curse which I have set before you, and you call them to mind among all the nations where the Lord your God drives you, and you return to the Lord your God and obey his voice according to all that I command you today, you and your children, with all your heart and with all your soul, that the Lord your God will bring you back from captivity and have compassion on you and gather you again from all the nations where the Lord your God has scattered you. If any of you are driven out to the farthest parts under heaven, from there the Lord your God will gather you, and from there he will bring you. Then the Lord your God will bring you to the land which your fathers possessed, and you shall possess it. He will prosper you and multiply you, you more than your fathers. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants. For the love of the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, so that you may live. Also the Lord your God will put all these curses on your enemies and on those who hate you, who persecuted you. And you will again obey the voice of the Lord and do all his commandments which I command you today. The Lord your God will make you abound in all the work of your hand and the fruit of your body and the increase of your livestock and in the produce of your land for good. For the Lord will again rejoice over you for good as he rejoiced over your fathers. If you obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes, which are written in this book of the law, and if you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, for this commandment which I command you today is not too mysterious for you, nor is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, Who will ascend into heaven for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it? Nor is it beyond the sea, so that you should say, Who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us, that we may hear and do it? But the word, the word is very near you, in your mouth, in your heart that you may do it. What we hear from Moses is that rebellion is going to occur. Exile will happen. Israel will fail to keep the law. But, but, we hear hope in this chapter from Moses. Yes, we hear, despite this passage being from the Old Testament, we hear grace and good news, the gospel that we all too often we think is just reserved for the New Testament the back half of the Bible, but no there's gospel right here, right now in the Old Testament as a matter of fact Moses is telling us the Israelites will return from their captivity, and this eventually happens several hundred years before Jesus is incarnated and comes to us as man but not only would the Israelites inherit their land again but even better, then the Lord will circumcise, not your flesh, but your heart, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul, so that you may live. Don't you see, brothers and sisters? We just recited the Decalogue, that is, the Ten Commandments at the beginning of this service, where we're reminded of the very law that we break each and every day of the week. And we cry out to God in this service, Lord, have mercy upon us and incline our hearts to keep this law. A circumcision of the heart. That's what we're praying for. 
And what is that law? Well, Moses tells us in Deuteronomy, and Jesus cites as the most important commandment that we are, quote, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul. And the Gospels add, and what we typically recite at the end of the Ten Commandments, is that the Lord summarizes the law, Jesus summarizes it as, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. To completely love the Lord. That's the command, the first and great commandment according to our Lord Jesus Christ. But now, you and I, miserable offenders that we are, we are provided with grace. Grace. Grace in the form of the anointing of the Holy Ghost. The anointing of the Holy Ghost in our baptism. As those hands are laid upon us as the water flows. So that our hearts may be circumcised by faith. So that indeed God will change our hearts so that we may keep this law. So hear now the words of the scriptures. This commandment which I command you today is not too mysterious for you, nor is it far off. But the word is very near you, in your mouth and in your heart, that you may do it. What word is this that the scriptures speak of? Why is the very word of God himself, Jesus, the Messiah, the second person of the Trinity? For he is the one who is in our mouth and in our heart, who gives us the ability to love the Lord our God in the first place. We literally receive him in our mouths when we take the communion. He lives in our heart by our confessions that the Lord Jesus Christ is Son of God, Son of Man, was crucified for us, dead, buried, resurrected on the third day. And the way the Word of God is on our lips and living in our heart is by faith and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit within us, the third person of the one true God, the blessed Trinity, the three in one. But Deacon, you keep stressing this Holy Ghost, but what, what am I supposed to do? I believe in the gospel. I understand that I received you know, Jesus, my baptism, but, but now what? Well, hear Moses' words. I have set before you today life and good, death and evil, that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commandments, his statutes, and his judgments. As our Lord Jesus Christ tells us, if you love me, then keep my commandments. But Deacon, that's so hard. It's impossible. You were just telling me that we, we can't fulfill the law. It is impossible. We do fail and break the law. But as the word of God tells us, Jesus the Christ, what's impossible for man is possible for God. When Jesus tells the disciples this, St. Peter responds and says, Lord, we have left everything for you. To which Jesus, our Lord and our God, says, Truly I tell you, no one who has left home or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times more in this age and in the age to come eternal life. Let's flip now to the gospel. 
We come to the gospel lesson of St. Luke. And sinner, we have the Spirit within us, but do we really love Jesus? Do we really repent, turn away from our sins that we're struggling with? Or are we just worshiping a false Messiah who accepts us just as we are, but sadly leaves us, leaves us exactly as we are, without repentance? But without repentance, without turning away, there is no new life. Without change, we're condemned as creatures who we'd rather identify with our own pleasures, with our own choosings, than identify with the Creator, who has a perfect design and a perfect order for our own passions. As the Lord tells us in today's difficult passage, if anyone comes to me, and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Did you hear that? I could go off on a discourse of when Jesus says hate, it's a you know, Hebrew way of saying to love less. But I like what Jesus says straight and plain in the scripture because it makes us hear it and think about it. Or let's hear it and listen to it if we haven't heard it before. If anyone comes to me, and we come to him right here, right now, and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, and yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Jesus will not let you accept him on your own terms. It's either all or it's none. It's either we love him beyond life itself, or we're merely fooling ourselves because we're holding something of ourselves back, something that we want to control, something that we want to be God over. So if we're only giving 10% of our lives to Jesus, or better yet, if we're giving 99% of our lives to Jesus, of our life, our love, of ourselves, we're still holding back. We haven't given over wholly ourselves to Him. And you may think, well, Gee, look, Jesus, why must I, you know, just, just a layperson, have to be sold out to you? I mean, what's the deal? I'm giving you whatever I can. I'm doing the best that I can. But we're still rebels, traitors, thieves of our own lives from God, the Creator. If we're holding something back for ourselves and not giving it over to Him, then we're telling the Creator that the creature knows what's best, even if it's something small some small sliver of my life, what I want to control and keep in the box. In the words of St. Paul, don't you know that you're not your own? We are not our own. We couldn't create ourselves, and yet we don't want to give ourselves over to the one who created not only us, but created the heavens and the earth. That's rebellion. That's the definition of being a rebel, being a traitor, of being a thief of our own life, which is not of our own, but is God's life. Let's go back to the gospel. Whoever does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. He wants all or none. Because salt that's mixed with other materials doesn't taste like salt. It may have a hint of that salty taste, but it's useless. And in the end, it'll be trampled on the, by the Lord's feet. The Lord even says that that salt is useless. And our Lord is trying to remind us that 
he redeemed us and not the other way around. He purchased us from the bondage of slavery, from our own fallen wills, so that we may serve his will. That's why Jesus tells us if we want to be his disciple, not fake it, not, you know, pretend to be or give it, you know, some percentage to be his disciple, but to be his disciple, to be his follower, to follow where he goes, to hell and back, to be his follower and to follow him, we have to bear our cross and then we can follow him. He bore his cross to take away the sins of the world. And now we belong to him. So now let us take our cross and follow him. And so these past few weeks, I've, I've preached on, and our liturgy reminds us that we must love Jesus, our Lord and our God, with all our heart, our soul, our mind, our body, our strength. And the mission of this church plant is indeed to love God. But how? By serving our neighbors by serving our neighbors. We must bear our cross and follow our servant king. We must go to our own death in order to receive true life, to receive eternal life. And if we don't serve others because we're not benefited by it, then we're not truly serving our neighbor. We serve others because we're dead men. We're dead men who have died with Jesus in our baptisms. And we're now raised up to newness of life. And that newness of life is life in the Spirit. So we die to ourselves. We bury our passions so that He may live in us. So that from now on, when we pray the Lord's Prayer, that Thy will be done, we say it. And we mean it. And we live it. We have faith in his sacrifice and his resurrection. So that now, now, the Holy Ghost moves us, compels us, beckons us. And we must now respond. Respond to the good news. You've been saved by faith. So let's respond by walking in those good works that our Creator put us here to accomplish. Because he has a plan. Our Lord is on the move. And we will only hear the words, Well done, good and faithful servant. If we do not squander our faith, but instead live it through works of love, works of a lively faith, that's so desperately needed in a dead world. Men and women of Good Shepherd, Brothers and sisters, fellow miserable offenders, fellow redeemed children of the ever-living God, we are the flock of Christ. And he is leading us as the good shepherd to sacrifice oneself so that the other members of his flock, not our flock, but his flock, are found and rescued into the church. So let us get to work by fanning the flames of the Holy Spirit. Let's fan the flames of the Holy Spirit into the fire because the Lord came to baptize with fire. And he told us in the gospel how much he was desperate and yearned to start that baptism. And it has been started. And it is outpouring and outflowing to this day. And we've been baptized through the water 
and the fire of that Holy Spirit that lives within you and me. So let's get to work and fanning these flames through our prayer life, through our scripture reading, through our cross-bearing. That is, by loving beyond our means, loving beyond our means, each and every person that we have the joy of meeting on this side of eternity. Because as C.S. Lewis puts it, we've never met a mere mortal. We will see everyone on the other side. There may be a great divide that separates us, but we'll see everyone on the other side. So let us get to work and bear our cross and serve them to bring them into the church, into salvation. Not by our own power, but by the power of the Holy Spirit working through us, mere human vessels. Praise God that he's such a God to come down to our level and to use us, to save us. And not only just save us and say the end, period, but also to then put us out into the world to work. And then to tell us through St. Paul that this was the plan before the foundation of the world, before the cosmos was invented, before the first star was born, I knew you. I knew you from your mother's womb. And I have a plan for you. In the words of the first psalm, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. His delight is the law of the Lord. He shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season. Let us go forth and be fruitful trees so that outside these walls will be refreshed by our fruits of service to our neighbors. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Thank you again for joining us on the Anglican Church of the Good Shepherd, Pelham, Alabama podcast. We hope that you'd visit us in person. We have Sunday worship uh, every Sunday at 1030 in the morning. And you can visit us on our website at www.goodshepherdacna.com or visit us on Facebook at Good Shepherd ACNA. Also, if you enjoy the podcast, please like, subscribe, and rate the podcast. It not only makes us feel better, but more importantly, it helps those who are searching for Anglican podcasts find podcasts like this one and other ones that are out there on the web. Thank you, God bless, and have a good one. The Lord be with you, and with thy spirit, lift up your hearts. We lift them up unto the Lord. Let us give thanks unto our Lord God. It is meet and right so to do.